Good morning everyone. It's been a few weeks since I've been able to sit down and record a triage episode. Sorry about that. Due to really busy time on Medics Money and annual leave, but it's good to be back. Key listeners of Medics Money might have caught Tuesday's episode on which Tommy and I debunked the government's claim that giving NHS and other public sector workers a pay rise would directly fuel the inflation problem in the UK. This sort of links with what we're covering today. As always, welcome back to Triage, where we catch you up on what you might have missed on the main Medics Money podcast in a shorter, more digestible format. The episode in question today was taken from episode 165, which aired on July the 4th, 2023, with almost a series regular, Mike Harms from Medical General, and it was called Listen Up If You've Got a Mortgage. I would implore you to find the full episode wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google, Apple, you name it. Inflation doesn't really need an introduction right now, as almost everyone will be feeling its keen sting, but bear in mind that inflation feeds through into what's going on in the mortgage market right now. Key point is, higher interest rates are a form of monetary policy as a response to higher levels of inflation, and the idea being to incentivize saving and discourage investment and increase the cost of borrowing more generally to cool down the economy. As you might expect, this has an effect on mortgage rates. I'm going to give you over to Mike Harms now, who's going to talk us all about how it affects mortgages. What kind of problems are you seeing? What do people need to do? And like, should people panic and react to some of the almost hysterical articles that you're seeing in the press or is it not as bad as it seems that's like eight massive questions in one start where you want <laughs> no problem okay right so first things first you will always see headline grabbing articles out there it's always about doom gloom the worst case scenario now it's not to say that there are difficulties out there because there are um, i'm not denying that it's just the fact that it's not always as bad as it first seems so if we consider where we sit right now with interest rates, as of yesterday, and I say yesterday because within probably 24 hours, these things can change, you know, we'd be looking at a two-year fixed rate currently out there in the market for someone with um, what's called an 85% loan-to-value. That's where you are borrowing up to 85% of the value of the property, and you can currently get a two-year fixed rate for 5.69%. Now, on the basis that the Bank of England base rate is 5%, there's not a huge spread. And the spread is the difference always between those two that the banks are purporting to be making in terms of money there. A five-year fixed rate, just to give you an indicator of how they believe the markets will be over the next five years, is at 5.23%. Now, obviously, what they're doing is they're pricing in uncertainties. They don't know whether interest rates will be lower in five years. They anticipate them. But, as you can see here, not by a huge amount. Now, for a while, at the back end of last year in 2022, we were seeing five-year fixed rates lower than two-year fixed rates. And also we were seeing actual interest rates lower than the Bank of England base rate. So it just gives you a flavour as to how things have changed and the fact that they're now starting to think this is going to stick around for a little bit longer because of the sticky inflation we've got. If we bring it down to, say, a 60% loan to value, so say you're in a really positive position, you've got 40% of the moment cash in equity, then you'd be looking currently at 5.35% on a two-year fixed rate and 4.97% on a five-year fixed rate. So that's below the current Bank of England base rate. So it all comes down to your loan to value, the perceived risk because of the amount you're borrowing and just what they think longer term trends are in terms of rates. So yes, they are higher than they were. And there's no doubt in that. We had, as you said earlier, we had over 13 years at 1% lower on interest rates. And that's over a third of most people's mortgage terms in their entire life. It's unprecedented. If we look back in history, rates were at 5.75% in 2007, they were at 5.75% in 2001, 7.5% was the Bank of England base rate in 98, 
and a whopping 14.88% in 1989. Now, we're not in 1989, obviously. Things are very different since then. And I did read something recently where it showed that the average house price in, 19, in the 1980s was around £21,000. But it was only around about 11.3% of someone's income to afford that mortgage. But actually what we're seeing in today's market is the average house price is 292000 and the average income or how much you consume your income is around 45%. So a big difference. Ah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think we must read the same newspapers. But I was walking past a newsstand <laughs> the other day and I did not buy it. But a notorious boomer-friendly newspaper was basically saying it wasn't. It was much worse in the 1970s. Stop whining. But your point there is really important. That as a percentage of income, houses now are much, much more expensive than they were back in the 1970s when the boomers were in their heyday. And so, although we're only around five percent now, and not at the 12 percent or whatever the boomers are going to tell us the 1970s were at, people are more leveraged, basically. Like. Is that basically the gist of it? So even though it's only 6%, yeah. not the really high rates of the 70s, it could be proportionally worse. Thanks very much. That's the no more baby boomers listening to this podcast. But I think that's a good point, right? <laughs> it's a huge point. It, you know, you've always, it's a classic. Statistics can be interpreted in any way you want them to be. And I think it's, there's always more than one way to, to interpret statistics. So yes, on the face of it, you're right. You're not paying the same interest rates that were there in the 1980s. But contextualize that on the amount of debt and how much what the debt to income ratio is. And that's when you start to realize that you know we are a nation of house owners and house lovers. But actually proportionately, if it's taking over 40% of your revenue and your, your net income, that's a significant amount of money that is going in purely maintaining a property versus what it might have been future generations. So I think that's a really important thing because it's telling you how much it's squeezing people even more. And therefore, interest rates being lower, contextually, probably, I read earlier, it was around 30% of income. It was roughly where we've been for the last 10 years. So that's a reasonable position, you know, for your mortgage, a third for your costs and a third for frivolity, you know, enjoying life and doing the things you might want to do, saving for your future, all those sorts of things. But yeah, it's tough. It's a tough market. And what I would say, though, is that the mortgage lenders since 2008, which was the last real financial crisis we had, there's been a lot more regulation around mortgage lending and affordability of mortgages and they have stress tested mortgage affordability so they have these calculators which we have to abide by we look at them we say right can someone afford their mortgage let's put all of these details in and determine whether it's affordable now but also where interest rates to rise could it still be affordable i think they're pushing those stress testing now where we are with interest rates but it's important to also understand what's going on with the mortgage market as we see today so one of the points you said is you know what, what are the difficulties we're seeing well as mortgage brokers we are seeing mortgage rates being pulled on a daily basis. What does that mean when you say pulled? What do you, are you going to tell me? I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, what we mean by being pulled is that the mortgage provider says today, we are offering these rates. So those rates I mentioned earlier, they were being offered as of five o'clock last night. As of this morning, they could have disappeared, no longer available. And that is down to them reassessing their risk, what's going on with the cost of them to borrow the money longer term as well. So if it's costing them more, they have to reassess their entire product range. And what we tend to find is we're going through a bit of a cycle. So a couple of weeks ago, HSBC were the only lender that hadn't re-evaluated re their mortgage rates. So naturally, everyone, every broker, every man, every dog, every person zoomed in on HSBC as the place they're going to try and get the cheapest mortgage at that point in time. 
And then HSBC went, we can't cope with this. And then funny enough, 24 hours later, they pulled their mortgage deals and changed their rates. They even sent out an apology, but they were just saying, you know, obviously, we're trying to do the right thing by clients by giving the best possible service. Because if everyone then rushes to one lender, they're consumers, they can't deal with it. And that delays the process of getting mortgages through. The other thing that we were finding is that as brokers, we're sat on the portal trying to apply on your behalf, and you're in a queue. And there are thousands of people in this queue. And you're sat on a screen, just showing a bar line, you know, a bar chart going across. It's where you're over a thousand in the queue just to get onto their website be able to try and apply on behalf it's worse than trying to get glastonbury tickets that is probably yeah yeah so it's, it's it's really tough at the moment because we're trying as and this is across all mortgage brokers you know we're trying to get the best possible deal for you as soon as we can but we're up against extremely challenging circumstances where not only can the rent change overnight you can't get access to those lenders and therefore communication with your broker is absolutely essential because you need to be able to communicate really quickly at this kind of time. Now I've said all of that, things will calm down. The reason we had this spin is because inflation figures came out and they were higher than anticipated. We thought we were on the downwards trajectory and then we get to June and nothing's changed. Crikey, what does that mean? It means interest rates are going up higher than we anticipated, which means we've got to reassess the whole entire market and what we're going to be you know, providing in terms of rates. So that sort of then brings me on to what can you do in these circumstances? The first thing people might not know is that if you are within six months of your rate ending, your fixed rate ending, you can lock in at a rate now. So if you are going to be remortgaging from December onwards, so your rate finishes in December 23 onwards, Start thinking to yourself, as soon as it hits the six month mark, I need to speak to a broker. And the reason you need to speak to a broker is because your current lender may not be providing you the best rate. You need to shop around. You need to start that process now. And the sooner you do it, the better. Locking in six months ahead, what does that do for you? Firstly, it secures a rate. Hopefully it's a slightly lower rate than what they might be in a few months time, because we know rates are gonna keep going up. It allows you to plan because you'll then understand what the cost of your mortgage is going to be. Yeah. Forewarned is forearmed, all that sort of, you know, old averages. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's basically like a no-brainer hedge because I could, if say my mortgage is ending in six months' time, I could come to you today, we could lock in a rate, and then in six months' time, I could either take that rate or if things have got worse, I could get a better rate in six months' time. It seems like a no-brainer unless I've misunderstood. No, absolutely right. There are some small admin costs involved in providing advice, but ultimately, you know, that's a cost worth paying if you think it's going to save you thousands and thousands of pounds over the longer term. The next thing you've got to determine is, do you want a two-year fixed rate? Do you want a three-year fixed rate? Do you want a five-year fixed rate? Do you want to go for 10 years? What's important for you? And what's going to drive that is affordability and your desire to understand what your costs will be for the longer period of time. Now, I've got a slightly different view on fixed rates, and whilst they might be a bit higher now, if we know inflation is still relatively high, you could argue that that cost of that mortgage will decrease over the course of time, because hopefully your hopefully he says your income will increase over time, and therefore you know the cost of the mortgage will decrease a little. But it's safe to say that we are in a period of higher interest rates for the next couple of years, two to three years, and the chances are it's never going back down to below one percent unless we have a cataclysmic issue within the economy, which obviously we sincerely hope we don't. But we're going to be coming back to a, I hate to use the terminology, a new normal 
but a new normal will be, and they've sort of suggested possibly between two to three percent rates. So we're going back in time, we kind of come back to a normal economic cycle. But that's only once inflation is under control. Another common question we get at Medics Money is, should I overpay on mortgages and so on? It's a really interesting one. So here's a clip. So if you're basically, if you're six months out and you're on a fix, get in contact with a hold of market, independent mortgage broker, like the ones on Medics Money, like Mike. What about like if you are, if you've got three years or two years left on your fix, like maybe you're fixed at like 1.49 or something and you're sat there thinking, I've just listened to what Mike just said about perhaps interest rates are going back to closer to the historical average. I think the historical average is somewhere between four and 5% over time. Yeah. So let's just assume we're going back to that. So you've got like three years left on your mortgage. What kind of things could you be thinking about there? I mean, I guess I'm thinking about the question we're getting a lot is, should I start overpaying, et cetera, like that? And then that brings us back around to what you said at the start about loan to value, because the loan to value rates for the that you quoted us for the 60% were quite a lot lower. So, yeah. So financial advice and talking about debt, invariably we would always suggest you pay your debt down first. That's obviously the sort of number one priority. Um, however, you've also got to consider what your return on your investment is. And currently, if we look at bank current you know, interest rates that you could get in a cash account, there's currently a two-year bond, which is basically you secure your money away for two years, and you can currently get 5.85%. Five-year bond, currently showing a 4%. So if you have savings, and you're not investing, for example, on the stock market, but you have cash savings, but you're only paying 1.4%, there's an argument to say that you're better off keeping that money saved whilst interest rates are higher, taking advantage of those interest rates. But then considering whether you then pay down some of your mortgage at the point you remortgage. You've got to make that decision based on your own personal circumstances. Obviously, this isn't advice. It's just suggesting you can look at the value of savings versus paying down your mortgage now. Because if you're paying down your mortgage now and you're only paying 1.4%, technically you're saving 1.4% on that money versus potentially 5.85% on a two-year bond. So it's considering your own personal circumstances, looking at what return you can get, um, yes, you can pay down your mortgage at the point of remortgage. Now, if we look at what you should be doing, realistically, it's the same good financial prudence that you should be applying in any circumstance, regardless of interest rates being high or not. So first thing I would always suggest is check your credit history. When was the last time you got a credit report? Make sure there's nothing on there that shouldn't be on there. Get an idea of where you are with things. Affordability at the moment is going to be key for an awful lot of listeners and certainly the mortgage providers tightening their affordability criteria even more. So whilst you might be able to have afforded your mortgage a couple of years ago, when you come to remortgage, if your salary hasn't changed or maybe there's been a slight decrease in your salary for whatever reason, then you've got to think, what are my, what are my options? You know, am I going to be able to get the remortgage or not? Which again, just highlights the reason why you need to speak to a broker who can understand that and assess where your best options lie. If you've got a couple of years to go, or even six months to go, think about trying to get rid of your highest possible debt first. And if you have credit agreements and things like that, consider whether you're able to get rid of those as well. Because you're trying to put yourself in the best possible position with your mortgage to, to ensure that you can remortgage. Because the last thing we want to do is that you can't remortgage, you're then stuck on what's called their standard variable rate, which could be higher, which could cost you more anyway. There are options available. Sometimes we can switch with your existing lender without too much fuss. But again, if you come to a broker, you would assess, they would assess that anyway. Look at your existing lending versus maybe going out to the open market. 
But really, all we're saying is financial prudence. Keep an, you know, keep an idea on all your costs and just start to think to yourself, what can I rationalise here? What can I cut a little bit that will allow me to make this mortgage affordable in the long run? That was so much common sense, not advice, in that last section from you. And I know people <laughs> might be listening to this whilst they're watching their kids play netball and my favourite time to listen to a podcast or cricket at the moment. So I'm just going to give it a summary because I think that and correct me if I get this wrong. So so on the whole, should I overpay much? Let's say I got three years left on a 1.5 fix. Should I start overpaying or should I save it in a you know guaranteed savings bond that you mentioned okay and the point there is if you're borrowing money at 1.5 percent and you've got that locked in for the next three years happy days then you could put it in a savings account and get 5.5 percent you know that is you know it's not advice but it seems obvious that might be a smart move rather than just overpaying and then with regards to the sort of high interest rate debt like credit cards it's like if your affordability is going to be squeezed because your mortgage is going to, your repayments are going to be going up in the future, if you can pay off high interest rate like credit card debts now, then when it comes to it, you'll be in a much better position, not only to pass the affordability checks, but also just, I mean, in general, paying down credit card debt is always a pretty solid plan. Is that the gist of it without straying into giving advice, just sort of making it yeah, absolutely. What, what we have also seen, stats are showing, is that lots and lots of people are dipping into savings. We've had more savings being dipped into over the last three months than there has been for a very long time. So that just gives you another clue as to what's going on behind the scenes. People maybe having to use savings to pay towards some of their mortgage costs. So it's just about, for me, fear and anxiety about these things come from lack of control over a situation. And if you're able to take some steps to start feeling like you've gained that control back, then it doesn't seem quite as bad as it maybe otherwise would. Now, if you find yourself in a predicament, you need to speak to your mortgage lender. That's the first portal call. You have to speak to them. Don't be fearful by picking up the phone that's going to cause you problems. It's not. They have a charter, they have a need, they have a, an obligation to support you in your circumstances. Um, and there obviously have been a couple of announcements from the government where they're suggesting that you, know, you could go on to an interest-only element for a period of time. But if you reverse that back to full repayment within six months, then there would be no impact on your credit history. And also they're suggesting that, you know, there is a waiting period now before a bank could repossess a property for up to 12 months. So I sincerely hope no one gets into that position. But talk to your bank, talk to your mortgage provider. You're not the first person, you won't be the last person. And they do have mechanisms to be yeah, able to. 100%. And what you're talking about there is the mortgage charter, which was announced really recently sort of from the government, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the government aren't going to intervene directly. There are certain things actually where they do support for lower income households, but for the mass population, they will not be intervening. And ultimately, these are just a few things around the edges to try and soften the blow. The mortgage charter, you know, possibly useful, possibly not. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting just to understand that why are interest rates probably going to be higher for longer is because everyone's been on a fixed rate. And so the pain impact for people on their cost of borrowing is progressive. It's not just all of a sudden, day one, interest rates go up 6%, everyone feels the pain, they don't. It's actually over two, three, four years because everyone's been fixed rates. If you look back to sort of 2008, a vast majority of people were on the sort of standard variable rate. They weren't fixing in because fixing in was more expensive. So that automatically then meant that as soon as interest rates rose in 2007, that had a hugely direct impact. 
and therefore that did choke off people's spending capability very quickly and then inflation came down very quickly whereas it's a bit more sticky this time because of the fact that we are now a nation of fixed rate mortgages interesting i hadn't really thought about it like that but yeah it makes a lot of sense because the effect is basically going to be staggered because not everyone's going to feel the pain initially or proportionally that's all i've got time for today everyone thanks for tuning in i've been with ed this week working on some most money projects so best to get back to it as always thanks for your support and get in touch at matthew at medicsmoney.co.uk for any comments feedback or general inquiries that's matthew at medicsmoney.co.uk have a lovely weekend and take care